What is up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the What Made You Do It podcast. This is your host, Sam Moore, and I am here today with one of my dear, dear friends. Um, she is the former owner of Sweatnet, Sweatnet Denver. Um, she is the only person I know to be retired before the age of 30, and she is just an all-around incredible human being. Please welcome to the podcast, Miss Kylie Groders. Thank you. I'm honored that I'm the only one you know to be retired. Yeah. Um, I don't know many retired people right now. <laughs> and I know your retirement's temporary for, for the time being, but yeah. you are retired. You, you do not have a, uh, an employment at the moment. Uh, well, technically I do. Oh, you do. That's right. Okay. Well, then... So just don't tell anyone because <laughs> I'm the old retired person that has to have a side job. Yeah. Because I would go stir crazy. Yeah. But um, like the great Tom Brady, I will come out of retirement. Good. So. Well, regardless, so great to have you here. Um, you. How are you doing today? Uh, great that I'm here now. Yeah, we've <laughs> been trying to do this for a very long time. Um, and it is my, I'm honored because you've been a friend that I've talked to about this podcast yes. for a very long time. Um, and to now before it even existed. Oh, well before it existed. Yeah. yeah. You were one of the people that I would just throw my ideas at. <laughs> uh, before we go too deep into it. Um, I love to start this off with letting you, you know, I did my own introduction. I'd love for you to introduce yourself, but yes. I throw the caveat being of like, give us a word and how you describe yourself. And then you can go add context as well. Okay. So this is where I did my research this morning because good, good, I good. got nervous. I got nervous of what to say. And Sam knows me. I hate being the center of attention. <laughs> I hate being in the spotlight and I hate talking about myself. Well, let's put you in a podcast with two cameras <laughs> pointed at you. So you have no choice but to face that fear. That's what we're about right now. I know. But I recruited some help from my friends good. this morning. And I said, I'm going on a podcast with Sam. What is one word that you would use to describe me? Mm. And they almost had me in tears. So I know, but a couple of them that they said, one that I absolutely loved, shout out to Michaela, was steady. And Beautiful. I was like, that is a great word. That's not one that I ever really considered before. And the way she described it, I was like, that's spot on. That's exactly how I feel about myself. Humble brag, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we'll talk all about what makes you study and everything yeah. about that. And then the other one that I really liked um, that two different people said was intentional. Mm. And I do pride myself on intentional has been one of my kind of core value words for years. And so it was nice to have that reassurance that I'm living out my core values. Both are phenomenal. Um, yeah. And I would agree with both of those those words so shout out Michaela and uh the other one was Corey and Jeff both said that Corey and Jeff okay well love all those people <laughs> um amazing well let's let's dive into what makes up those two words and not to go straight into childhood <laughs> trauma but I, but you know bringing us back to the younger the younger years of Kylie yeah and in and around Monaco, Wisconsin. Yes. Um, <laughs> would you like to, to give us some context of, of who you are, where you came from, and yeah, anything you want to share? Yeah, if you don't know anything about Monaco, Wisconsin, it is a very small town um, in northern Wisconsin. Grew up on the lake. Beautiful, beautiful Gorgeous, place. yeah. Beautiful place. Sam went there, I think, this last summer, right? I was not there this last summer, but my one of my really good childhood friends yes. has a, a home there, and we all through college and then i've been back i went to um what is it round lake is that know. one of them yeah there's, there's I, a million was, lakes. I was in the north lakes of wisconsin it's <laughs> yes. i mean a, a magical uh, part of the country yeah a beautiful place um but growing up lived i mean a very just normal 
kind of semi-privileged life with two amazing parents and my sister. Um, And yeah, growing up, I think what really led me, especially those two words, is, um, I mean, I was always involved in sports. I think sports always kind of just like gives people that discipline that they need going through life. And then I traveled a lot as a kid. Mm. Um, So went on a lot of mission trips, working with nonprofits, all that stuff. And, And so I think the intentional piece comes a lot from that side of my life growing up. Um, I spent a lot of time down in Haiti after their massive earthquake and just learned that like I am beyond privileged living the way that I do. Um, And just kind of experiencing all those little pieces of the world made me live a more intentional life of how I spend my time, who I spend it with, um, finances, all that stuff of just like, where do we invest into our life? Um, So that was a huge piece of my childhood um, up until, I mean, even semi into college too. But then, you know, the world takes over and you have adult bills to pay and you don't travel as much. So yeah, yeah, that was a piece of my childhood that I'll always cherish and I always remember and kind of go back to as like the root of who I am and why I do what I do. I think traveling, you know, I I feel like in college and you know the study abroad era folks like there's so much is attributed to that portion of seeing the world but i think i also did like a mission trip um i guess i think it was like sophomore year of high school but at that age where you're super impressionable you know Mm -hmm. like before the age of 18 and being you know i also grew up in a very privileged town and in through a family and, and everything and um to at that young of an age, be introduced and interact with people from a completely different set of circumstances mm-hmm. is has done so much to inform me of like how I should, I don't know, be grateful for the things that I have, but also how to show up in the world. Um, so it's interesting that you had that with, with Haiti as well. I mean, yeah. was that something that your, your parents inspired or, or I guess, how did you how did you start that path of... Uh... Yeah, I think it was a combination of a little bit of everything. Um, my parents have always been involved with the church and going on trips, all this stuff, and now live overseas doing that stuff. Um, but it was actually my aunt and uncle that started a nonprofit in Haiti. And mm. so they worked alongside um, an orphanage and then a school. And so I would go down almost every nine months or so. And then eventually my senior year of high school, I graduated early and spent a semester down there living at the orphanage. Um, And so that was kind of just like a big push of having that connection piece. Um, It wasn't just like a week at a time throughout the years. It eventually turned into like two months stint that I would spend time down there with my my second family. That's amazing. Yeah. I, the only people that I know of to have graduated high school early are people (laughs) that are like going to play college football (laughs) and they needed to go down for like spring practices or something. Uh, I don't know too many people that graduate early to go live in Haiti and work at an orphanage. So that's, that's pretty cool. What, what are some of beyond, you know, the, like being grateful for what you have and I guess like the understanding of privilege, Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you'd say that you like learned from that experience that you kind of carry through to today? I think not only just from like traveling, but also through high school and like academics, um, a lot of leadership roles that I took on, um, whether it was sports organizations, all that stuff, student council, whatever it is, um, a lot of those things of leadership skills that I take into today now, entrepreneur life has a lot of leadership skills because you're leading yourself (laughs) and you're leading everyone that's trying to follow you. So that was another huge piece of just being involved in all those circles and kind of figuring out, do I have the skills to be a leader or am I going to be a follower? And it's always kind of turned out that most often than that, I end up leading people to whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and we've already covered that you don't like being the center of attention. So I guess, how do you, how do you reconcile the, the natural gravitational pull to being a leader with not wanting to be the center of attention? That is a great question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I am the same way yeah. in that I would always find myself um, like in sports teams, like being, you know, a captain or mm-hmm. one of the like natural leaders. But I, up until five years ago, despised speaking in front of people and like the thought of standing in front of a group and everyone looking at me, like I probably am getting red right now just talking about it like that. It, it would like... 
light me up in the bad way (laughs) and I would want to recede to the back, but I always would naturally kind of be in one of those leadership type roles. So I don't know if it's similar for you. Yeah. And you've been to a lot of my events. Um, I'm sure we'll get into what SweatNet is and Mm -hmm. what I did and all that stuff, but I never really spoke at any of my events and you've seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so same thing, like I don't want to talk in front of people. I don't want to get the praise and all that stuff for like putting on these events. Um, I simply just want to host it, do all the logistics and let it go. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's just like doing all the back end work and kind of being like that low key leader of like, this is kind of, I'm going to lay the foundation and then almost let whoever's following me be the spotlight of it. Um, so I tried to do it that with like my ambassadors that I had where I was like, Hey, let me prepare this platform for you that then you can go shine. So having, whether they're a coach or a trainer somewhere and having them host the events and like giving them the publicity that they need to then further their gym or their studio or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that's a, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. It's, I mean, good, good food for thought for some journaling exercises <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, I, and not at all to talk about the events that I did too, but like I, my least favorite part of the event was yeah. when I would need to get up there and like address what was happening or, you know, and yeah, very, very similar, um, I guess like dynamic there. Okay. Yeah. Well let's, so you graduate early from high school, go uh, to Haiti. Yeah. Then come back for college. Yeah. Came back. I went to UW Oshkosh, um, which is just a public school in Wisconsin. Um, very similarly, I finished in three years. And so in and out, I think I was just ready to like, not be in a, like, or not be in college and like go on to adulting, which mm-hmm. I mean, now I'd pr- probably go back and like spend another year just having fun. Um, yeah. Academics always came easily to me. So it was very just easy to get through all my classes. I also took like the easiest major in the world. <laughs> and what so was that? human services leadership. So basically it doesn't sound super easy, but <laughs> yeah, it was directed towards working in nonprofits, okay. um, which I always thought was going to be my dream, all that stuff. Anyone you asked in high school, like they'd be like, yeah, that's, that's Kylie. Here we are not working in nonprofits, which is totally fine. But it basically just taught me how to like work with people and how to talk to people which is what I do every single day. Yeah. So in the long run, I benefited from it. Um, yeah, went to college, graduated early. And after that, I think I was home for maybe two weeks. And my sister's like, let's go on a road trip. I have a conference out in Texas. And I was like, okay. So we took a road trip. We stopped in Sioux Falls, South Dakota first, where I actually had a job interview. And I think that was on a Friday. I get a call on the Sunday and they offered me the job, but I turned it down. And again, it was one of those jobs that if anyone you asked in my high school, they'd be like, yeah, that's her dream job and turned it down. First job offer out of college. And we kept driving. We stopped in Denver for like, I think two nights. And that was my dad's idea. He was like, you guys should stop in Denver or the Colorado Springs area. There's a ton of nonprofits out there. I think you'd love it. And I was like, okay obviously loved Denver. And so we finished our road trip. We went down to Texas for like three days for her conference, drove all the way back to Wisconsin. And within 14 days on the dot, I sold everything I had back in Wisconsin, besides what I could fit in my car, um, found a job, random job in a house to live in. And I drove out to Denver. We love that. Here we are. Here we are. Then that was six years ago. Is that what Just we... over six years. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll fill in the gaps of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. This job, like, tell me more about the job. And I'm very curious what, what it was about that job or that moment or where you were that made you be like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So connecting back to Haiti, it was actually a job with a nonprofit in Haiti. Um, and so I would be leading groups down there. And again, I was like, this is going to be amazing. We had a connection through my cousin to this organization. Um, and it was really weird because I had the interview. Obviously it went well. And we were actually, my sister and I, and my cousin were running a half marathon that like Sunday or Saturday of that weekend. And the whole time I was like, I really hope they don't offer me this job. Like something in my gut was like, just 
like, don't take it, don't take it, don't take it. And so, of course, the worst thing you want to do is, like, get offered this job. And I was, like, fresh 21 out of college, and it was, like, a full-time salary, benefits, all this job. And I was, like, I'm so sorry, I can't take it. And the guy <laughs> the guy was, like, what? I was, like, I'm sorry, I just, I, I just don't feel like it's the right fit, blah, blah, blah. And turned it down, and I was, like, okay, we'll just figure out what's next. And you had no, like, there's no other... No other plan. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, that'll, that'll bring us to, to... We'll touch back on that modern day yeah. uh, and some decisions that have recently been made. Um, that's... So, two things that spoke, like, jumped out at me there. One being this, like, internal kind of, like, knowing mm-hmm. in, in you being 21 years old without any job experience you know you have life experience obviously but like there's not a ton to go off of but you still with one you know i'll just context for myself i got offered one job like leaving school yeah and that was the job i took and i hated it (laughs) it was a terrible job for me but like as soon as i was offered a job i was like yep done okay thank god that is taken care of like my anxiety that I was living Gone. with is just, you know, poof. And then obviously, like I said, terrible decision <laughs> in the long run. But for you being 21 years old, that's like a very, I don't know, everything you've been saying is like a very maturing young type of uh, yeah. um, context. But that's that's where I'm kind of stuck on is like, well, I would love to hear more about that yeah. and if that's shown up in other ways. Oh, it's shown up in many other ways. Okay. Um it's one of those things that I think a lot of people notice about me is, and especially if you ask my parents, they're always like, Kylie's going to follow her gut no matter what. Um, I always, and as we talk more about my most recent adventures, um, my dad is someone that I go to for advice on everything. And I always joke that if I don't ask for his advice before I make a decision, he knows that I'm serious about it. Um, but typically I'll always go for him for advice beforehand. Um, and I'm willing to take those risks. Like I always follow my gut, whether it's a logical decision or like the most random decision in the world. So yeah, it's shown up in other places. Um, I quit same thing. It was like, I think the first actual salary job that I had and I quit it for a non-paid internship. Like, no one does that. Yeah. And so that was another spot where I was like, this makes zero sense in the moment, but I feel like it's the thing I'm supposed to do. And here we are. And it like, if we go back in time and follow the path that all led me to now, if I wouldn't have quit that job and taken the internship, I wouldn't have had the connections that led me to my prior business. So it's just all these things that like tie together and it's just following your instincts and following what your gut is telling you is the right way to go. And I've always done that. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. And just to tie a bone, like my choice of my first job was the logical job working yeah. for a big four accounting firm that, you know, was rated the number one place to work for recent college grads or whatever. And I was miserable the entire time. And then my decision to leave there was completely illogical, um, at least from the context of like how everyone saw it of like prestige, money, Mm -hmm. you know, like security, everything like that. But it was the best thing I could have done. So I I very much love the uh, the gut instinct there. Um, Okay. So you you went up in Denver. Yep. You got a random job. I worked at a juice bar. Juice bar. Amazing. What what was your favorite juice? (laughs) I don't even know. Uh, to be honest, at that point, I don't even think they had juice. It was more of like smoothies and mm-hmm. acai bowls. Like a, and yeah, Jamba Juice. But like now they have juice. It's a local place. I mean, the owner is amazing. I still work with her or did work with her until I sold my business. But um, yeah, they had just opened and I was like, I'm in. Let's do it. I think I worked there for like six months until I Alexa? found a new job. No, it's okay. um, Vibe Foods. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know them. Shout out Vibe Foods. Yeah. <laughs> love, you. love you guys. Um, okay. So how long were you there? Like in what? And, and to fast forward a bit, mm-hmm. where we're going to get to is Kylie yeah. owning and operating a business called Sweatnet. Yeah. And. Yeah. We got to fast forward a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess give me, give me the highlights and the, I guess like the one or two of the jobs along the way that kind of informed this. And the underlying thing that I'm, you know, wanting to unearth mm-hmm. is this 
like sweating up being this very fitness focused thing and was that elements of that and the other things you were doing yeah so what led me to sweatnet was the risk that i took leaving um a full-time salary job for a non-paid internship which was with generous coffee oh cool yes i don't know if you knew that but did not another shout out to generous generous is amazing they are a coffee company that gives back all their profits to nonprofits. Mm-hmm. um so i worked with them for I don't know how, maybe like a year and a half or so. Um, And through them, I actually met the previous owner of Sweatnet. Um, And so that's how I got involved with Sweatnet. So I was volunteering at the time when they were first preparing to launch in Denver. Um, And then at the same time, I was also working at Lululemon. So that's kind of where my involvement with the fitness industry in Denver started was through Lulu. Um, and at that time, this was right before COVID all happened. Um, I was in charge of all of our event community events at Lulu at the store that I was in. Um, and we were putting on like super fun events with like Kendra Scott and all this, like all these other big companies in the mall and then COVID happened. And so that all got shut down and I was like, now what do I do? So I was going to try to kind of take over Sweatnet from the previous owners, kind of some things fell through. And then I was like, all right, this is a sign it's not supposed to happen. I think that was fall of 2020 because mm-hmm. um, they had completely shut down with everything happening. And then about five months later, I think it was May of 21, I reached out to the kind of quote unquote headquarters and I was like, hey, what would it take to like restart Denver? And the guy was like, go for it. I was like, okay. So like, we don't, we don't need your money. Like just go, go make it happen. Or what was the, there was just like, I figured there'd be some like other logistical things that needed to happen. And obviously went through training, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I took over ownership July of 21 and then we relaunched October of 21. So Mm -hmm. still had to build it basically from the ground up. Um, The previous owners had launched it for like two months before COVID. So there was really no foundation laid. But I mean, it was super fun to kind of like have that glimpse of what it could be prior to owning it. And then knowing that it would be a perfect fit for this community in this city. Um, and for anyone listening that doesn't know what Sweatnet is. I was going to say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to backfill that. <laughs> I should explain. It's basically just a massive community for health and wellness. So our members pay $10 a month. So it's a monthly subscription um, and they get access to all of our events for free. So we would host about five to seven events that... Sam would come to mm-hmm. um, five to seven events all over the city. Some were really low key events, just like workouts at a studio. Other ones were taking over the street of Larimer Square and doing a hit workout with silent disco headphones or rooftop yoga, whatever it was. It was always something different, mixing it up, all formats of workouts. Um, so you got access to all these events for free. And then you also got access to all of our business partners for f- or discounts to all of our business partners. So we had about 115 businesses all across Denver that we partnered with that our members got discounts to. So So as the amazing Hannah Tudor would say, it is um, a Costco card for health and wellness. Wow. Yeah, that's that's so perfect. And when I would be telling people about Sweatnet, it was like I I would be stunned that more people didn't know about it because it was $10 a month for five to seven workouts with an amazing group, it just yeah, it was a really really amazing business that I'm so uh, so grateful that I was able to um, <laughs> meet you at a random uh, tequila tasting. Yeah, yeah, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, and this, I mean, so that was end of 2020. Yeah, we meet each other, Cinco de Mayo 2021. No, yep. no, the 2022. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So you start. Tell me about you starting Sweatnet, and. Yeah, we'll kind of like fast forward across a couple of years and, and get to more the more modern day, modern um, day sweatnet. impending impending retirement sweatnet. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. Obviously, from the beginning, it's a lot of hard work. As you know, as an entrepreneur, it's just laying the groundwork. I think I spent almost two months simply meeting with business partners all day, every day for weeks on end, um, which I'm so grateful for because the network that I have in the city now is just unreal um and working with a ton of amazing people and most gym owners here are entrepreneurs and so everyone is in the same boat everyone understands the struggle and the grind um and so everyone i've worked with has just been amazing and i will never take that for granted to like build up that community and then once we started events i mean events is 
my bread and butter. Like I love doing the logistics behind all of it, setting it up, and then having the execution piece of it day of. And as I mentioned earlier, I would almost never talk on event day and I would just kind of let whoever was running the class just take over. And I'm like, this is yours, like go for it. Um, And yeah, it was, like I said, some were super simple and other ones were really big. So it was super fun um, and I'm definitely going to miss pieces of it. Um, and then other pieces I definitely will not miss. Yeah. So. Well, and that's, I mean, anyone that has done events, I've only done a handful, but it's what is always so amazing to me is no matter how much prep work you do ahead of time, it still is chaotic day of like, there's really, there's ways to, to set yourself up for more success um, and, and have it be less chaotic, but still, regardless, you're dealing with other human beings, moving parts, whether, you know, like there's just every single variable under the sun um, that's at, that can contribute to making it a great or <laughs> a not so great experience and event for people. Um, and that's, you literally did that week in week out for years i think the thing that i took away the most from events though and when i first started i was like i am going to drive myself crazy doing this Mm -hmm. because i am the most ocd type a person and so i'm the someone that's like if it's not perfectly set up i'm like i'm gonna be thinking it's terrible and so i think i really learned to just let it happen whether there is a hundred people signed up and only five people showed up, those ended up being the best events because it was so intimate. People got to know each other that much more. Um, So just kind of learning to let it go as it was supposed to go, whether it was a huge, like perfectly successful event or there was a lot of bumps throughout. I'm like, no one is going to know the difference. And yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've learned too is only only I or only you know what the perfect version was and everybody else experiences it and they might think it was perfect the way it was. Um, And, and yeah, just allowing it to kind of unfold. Uh, One of the things, so I worked at a bar for like six months when I first moved here, just to kind of immerse myself in in the scene, so to speak. But it was, they would do events um, often and I would just like watch these, you know, some of my coworkers just go insane every time it happened and like freaking out. We need to move all these different things. Like what's going on? Like, and I just remember being like, this is the same thing every time. Like, why are we continuing to intentionally like make this a bigger deal than it is when it's like, it always happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it like the event always will go through, like it it will work out. And at the, when the day, when 11 PM hits and the bar closes, like no one gives a shit anymore (laughs) and go about your life. Um, and it's really just like a decision to not let yourself get swept away by, by the, the madness. Cause everything, everything that can go wrong will, and you just have to be able to to roll with it and and, just adjust, be flexible. Um, okay. At the same time that you were working at SweatNet, you were also working a full-time job, though. (laughs) Yeah, for about at least the first year, year and a half-ish. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I worked in residential construction. Yeah. So natural fit. Yeah, the natural fit for a uh, a wellness, uh, health and wellness community owner. Um, What was it like balancing those two, like, completely contrasting Yeah, I was very, very lucky in the fact that my bosses knew I was running a business um, and that I was building it from scratch. Like they had built their business from scratch. So they knew the effort that goes into it, the hard work that goes into it. They're very flexible with my schedule. So they're like, well, if you have a meeting at this time, like you're, you're fine. Like as long as your work's done, like go do what you have to do to like run your business. And I was like, perfect. So I was super, super, super lucky in that way. Um, It was still one of those, I think after about one whole year of doing both at the same time, I started to realize the burnout that I was having mostly in the summertime when things, obviously construction is the busiest in the summer, fitness events outside are also the busiest in the summer. And so how I always described it was, I mean, I was burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. Like Mm. I was just completely gone. Um, had like no energy left, stress was through through the roof, anxiety was through the roof, all that stuff. Um, and then come end of summer, you just kind of crash and burn for a second and then pick yourself up and go again. Yeah. Um, 
because I mean, and I've talked about it before on on this podcast uh, that I it took me quitting my full time job mm-hmm. to actually make my business come to life, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm I'll, I always marvel at people that even even though it sounds like it was like a super challenging, but to merely just be able to have a job and create a business, I personally can't fathom how I would have done it. So it's just a really I don't know, like the the time management <laughs> and the like we'll call it like task switching. Um, it was something that I was never able to do because I would be like locked in for my day business or you know my full time job, and then I would go, okay, now I need to run this business. I'd be so fried and mm-hmm. just so like you know uninspired by life <laughs> at that point, like beaten down a little bit. Um, so I guess how did you how did you manage that? And obviously, you know, we we move out of that section, uh, but I'm yeah. very curious. You were how- spot on. So I very much did have to separate the two. When I was at work, I was at work. I was locked into that. And when I wasn't at work, that is when I would focus solely on SweatNet. Um, and thankfully, too, like SweatNet, all the events are in the evenings, weekends, all that stuff. So I didn't have as much overlap with those. Um, but I couldn't do the two at once. Like yeah. I could not work on SweatNet when I was at work, even if I had the time to do it, because my brain could not try to function both at the same time. And so it did. I did have to like separate both of them completely. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those where you just, you just figure it out. Like you just have to figure it out. That was how I was living at the time. Like I wouldn't have made enough off SweatNet. And so I was like, I have to have a job. Mm-hmm. So we did that until uh, we really hit rock bottom <laughs> as Sam has heard the story and decided to quit my job. Well, and as I, as I recall, yeah. um, so I remember I was getting coffee, like we were at Griffin Coffee. This is, I think it was January, right? Or when when would it have been? I I think I put in my notice at work, literally, I think it was like January 3rd. Yeah, okay. Because it was, I think it was like two days after you had like put in your notice. And we'd had mm-hmm. conversations about how, you know, exhausted you were. And, how you made the transition is mm-hmm. what I asked you. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, sometimes I forget what I say. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and I, th- I remember talking about it in, I don't know, my, one of the best pieces of advice that I was ever given by someone in the entrepreneur space is like, if you want this thing that you're building to be your full-time job, you have to treat it like a, your full-time job, or at least give it the, your, you know, the attention of a full-time job. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people burn out at the stage that you were at where mm-hmm. they look at this thing that they've built and they're like this you know it's only at this level and th- it takes leaving you know like you know the the safety of and certainty yeah. of the paycheck in order to build something to what it can eventually become um and i think that's that's a message that i was I, i'm sure telling you at that point uh, leading up to doing it yeah. i had someone else tell me that too i think it was the afternoon that i put in my notice at work uh and i went over to fit foods mm. and alex was working at the time and i told him i was like yeah, I just put in my notice, blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember, I think I said something about like, well, worst case, like jokingly, I was like, I can always go back because I'd actually went back to that job before Mm -hmm. they asked me to come back. And he goes, nope, that door's closed. And I was like, okay, okay. Like you can only go forward from here. And so that stuck with me. I was like, we're not going back to anything in the past. Like we're only going forward. And that means going all in. I it's what's interesting what's coming to my mind is like I've used a similar talk track to like end previous relationships I was in um cuz I think when I was when I was younger I was very hesitant to mm-hmm. move on from some, like safety just in general I guess I would say yeah. um but then you know I would remind myself that like you can't like this doors really aren't forever closed mm-hmm. um and just using that in order to get myself to make make the leap but then as soon as you're on the other end being like nope we're not looking back like this is that was that was great that was a great bridge there but now we're on the other side and it's just all moving forward yeah fully agree so we eventually as we kind of mentioned i left my full-time job Mm -hmm. which is a whole story in itself um which (laughs) if we ever do a mental health podcast i'll definitely come on and talk about it um 
But I just remember sitting there and having conversation after conversation with my dad again, because my dad is with Sweatnut. He was my business partner. So he was who gave me a lot of my business advice. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I don't know if I can pay bills without having this full-time job, blah, blah, blah. And so finally we just came to the decision. I was like, I'm quitting and we're going to figure this out. Whether that means I have to go like pick up another side job, whatever, down the road. But we really wanted to both between like his advice and my decision. I was like, I really want to give it at least a couple months where I'm solely focusing on sweating Again, not having the cop out of, oh, I'll just go find another side job to like balance it out. And he's like, no, if you're going to do this, like you're going to do this. Like mm-hmm. you're going all in. And I still will always remember him asking, I think we had like got on the phone later that day and he's like, so do you think you'll enjoy doing sweat full time? And I was like, I don't know until I try. <laughs> like yeah. you truly don't know until you try. And I was like, it's worth a shot. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So we went full time for, gosh, about solid nine months, 10 months. Mm-hmm. And here yeah. We are. And here we are. Well, and that... I, as like a, you know, member of the community and also like a partner, you know, we would do the events together. Um, I saw a shift in you when the decision was made to be full-time just because there's just an extra layer of like um, seriousness with which you approached it and not in like in, in the best way possible. And that like this this was no it was clearly no longer like an after school program it was like this is the this is the show like we're we're doing this thing and it was really cool to kind of watch that shift happen and no disrespect to the events you were doing before right but it was just you know it like it was so seeing how you approached and set up and in the partnerships you were able to build when you had your full focus on it um was it was a, a clear a clear like divide between the before and after yeah, my friends noticed it too. <laughs> I I actually had to talk to a couple of them one time. I'm like, hey, just a reminder, like this this is my literal life now mm-hmm. because that's all I have to like rely on money wise, and so they all took it more seriously too. So it was it was very evident not only to myself and kind of going back into grind mode of yeah having to rebuild more partnerships and how to find new sources of revenue and building up. The revenue streams that I did have, um, and yeah, by the time you go all in, like you're going all in. There's no other way to f- go around the things that you've been avoiding for so long. Yeah, um, and again, not to fast forward through that period, but as we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, you're now retired. So yes. um, we, you end up selling the business, mm-hmm. um, which happened. October. Like October. So that was like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear about the what, like, what was Kylie's life like leading up to the decision that I, I want to try something new, and then yeah. also, like, what the process is to sell a business. And like, I, I've never done it before. I hope to. I didn't day. either. <laughs> uh, like I mentioned earlier, summer is the busiest time. And so we, in the f- springtime, I always kind of thought about it. I'm like, is this really what I want to do long-term? All that stuff. Um, started started going to therapy. Shout out therapy. Shout out therapy. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned like, you know, if we ever do a mental health podcast, like this, there's elements of mental health and oh, all this right now. Oh, there is so much of it. Yeah. And, but with, with talking through therapy, it was kind of always talking about, like, what's the end goal? Where do I want to be? And so I had to start asking those hard questions for myself of, like, what's the end goal? Like, where do I want to go? How am I going to get there? Does owning a business play a piece into that? Um, and not that that was obviously, like, the all-time, the one thing that made the decision. There was a million pieces that made the decision. But I told myself, we're going to go through summer. We had a phenomenal summer. It was, I mean, so much fun if you came out to any of those events one of my favorites just between Larimer Square, rooftop yoga, all that stuff. I was just like, this is amazing. And then kind of end of summer again is just the burnout. Like I think there's weeks where I was like, I'm not touching my laptop. Like I just can't do it. Like I'm just, I'm so burnt out, so stressed out. Anxiety's coming back again, all that stuff. And so kind of sat there and I can't remember honestly when I made the decision in my head to like finally do it. Um, 
but I slowly made a list on my phone of people I thought would be interested. And so, and that happened like over the course of a couple months. I was like, I just want to have kind of an idea of who do I want to talk to if this ever does come to be. Um, And again, like I said earlier, I don't ask my dad's advice or my parents' advice if I'm serious about something. And so they they were in town one weekend and we're like, okay, let's go get dinner. We sat down at dinner and I was like, well, uh, I'm going to sell sweat net. And they both just like looked at me and they're like, okay, that was it. Mm-hmm. And so going forward from there, I had brought it up to one person, didn't really get a response back. So I was like, whatever. And I kind of knew they wouldn't really be interested. Um, and then I had someone else in mind and I was like, this is going to be perfect. And so talked to them couple of things led to another and they were like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay. (laughs) And so again, with my dad being my business partner, he's been in business for decades at this point. I was like, how do I, how do I do this? Again, I didn't know. And so we sat down and did a ton of numbers stuff, all this stuff and figured out what my asking price was going to be. And then the negotiation began. Which is my favorite part of anything, but it um, went honestly, I was so lucky. I mean, it was one of the first people I talked to Mm -hmm. that were like, yeah, let's do it. I think it all happened within a month of the first conversation to like the end sale. So, I mean, it was a quick turnaround. Like I was prepared to own it for another six months. Mm -hmm. Like there was just no, not knowing and negotiating was easy. Um, I was super lucky with who I sold it to and just kind of all those things and it all worked out. Yeah. And Sweatnet lives on, and we're you know still a member. Going to be going to, to events. Going to be don't or you're making a a cameo. Actually, I remember seeing on Instagram. Yes. Uh, is that next week? This Thursday. This Thursday, two days from now. Yeah, I'll, I will be there. I think. <laughs> I you should be out. there. I it's a collaboration with Nike, so probably one of the biggest collaborations we've done. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty epic. Yeah. Um. I so. Again, you're the first person I've spoken to who's like on the other like you've you created the business, you've sold the business and now you're like in this period of figuring out what's what's next for you. Yeah. And not a put you put the spotlight on you like tell me what you're going to do next, but I part of the kind of like thesis of this podcast mm-hmm. is that, you know, like I'm I started a business. My dream is to like build it to be this kind of like behemoth right um i'm have every intention of that happening but like who knows right there's there's no way of guaranteeing that outcome but i fully believe that what i've learned throughout the process who i've become what i've learned about myself um in in pursuing this like this regardless of the monetary value that i get in return for building this business like it was the best thing that i could have ever done Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of amazing podcasts out there, like How I Built This, that show people the great things that come from, like, starting a business, but only the monet, like, this was the $100 million exit that you, that this person got. And I think that there's so much to be gained from just merely following your gut instinct, choosing to to go all in on it and, and seeing what happens. So I would just love to hear your kind of, I guess, reflection on the overall experience and also kind of, yeah, I want to hear what you're doing next too. So (laughs) we could do a whole podcast on what I've learned. Yeah. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and the process of building it and everything you learn about yourself and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. I think it wasn't until my dad and I were crunching the numbers and figuring out how much I wanted to sell my business for that. I was like, whoa, I built that from the ground up from zero yeah. from zero and that was the moment where i became really proud of myself of just like all the hard work and like the two and a half years that i put into that business uh, leading up to that point i was just like this is a struggle as you know it's like you're an entrepreneur like you when you're in it you never feel like you're making enough or doing enough or putting in enough work or getting enough members like nothing ever feels enough until i was able to like really sit back and be like look and I would I mean I would go through videos and photos of like all the events we've done and I'm like holy crap and I look around me and I'm like none of these friends would be here without Sweatnet like my whole community now is people that I've met through Sweatnet whether it's ambassadors or participants business owners 
you out of all people. And I'm like, it's just crazy that you don't really realize it almost until you're on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so I think my word of advice too for entrepreneurs would be like, take that time to almost just like step out of your role for a second and then really reflect back and process on like, how how far have I come? Like, what was your, and you journal a ton, which I admire so much because I don't like to. Yeah, probably too much, but yeah. No, it's great though, but it's like, you can look back at when you first started Oslo and you're like, what were your goals then? And like, what are they now? Like, see how much that's that's grown and how much you've grown and how much the business has grown and your community and all that stuff. Because again, we don't take enough time to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what starts to wear us down is like, we never feel like we're enough or we never feel like we're doing enough. So that was a huge piece that on the other side of this entrepreneur life, I'm very, very grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, and to answer your other question, I have no idea. We're yeah. We're Retirement just, life is, uh, it's, it seems pretty cool. You yeah. just, you know, bounce next, around doing podcast Next interviews. on the docket is uh, I leave for Costa Rica on Saturday. And that's where your parents are. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go visit the family. That'll kind of be holiday time. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of reevaluating and same thing, still just following my gut. Like I, I pulled up LinkedIn the other day to like look at jobs and my gut was literally like, don't do it. Mm. Like, just chill, just chill. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So. Well, and it's, I, and I think that's the perks of, you know, grinding as hard as you did for two and a half years is that now you were able to sell the business, you know. And, and give yourself space to like see what kind of pulls you to the next thing. Um, and that's, I, I think that that's, that's one of the best things happen is when you're not, you don't have like a, this has to happen in mind. Mm -hmm. um, but you're like, I'm looking, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's me. another season I've learned this past week when I've had a lot of downtime is that it's another season to learn about myself. Like what, mm -hmm. what do I really want? Where do I find rest in all of it because I am a workaholic like I, I just I can't not work and mm -hmm. so it's it's learning new things about myself that you wouldn't know if you're working 24 7 what's the what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself in the last couple of weeks I learned I actually enjoy reading whoa look at that <laughs> I know what type of books I mean, lately they've been all like the cheesy romance ones but it keeps my attention and I like I read two books last week and I couldn't tell you the last time I read two books in like a year or so. Yeah. Well, and I, so my, my girlfriend also reads a lot of like, she, she reads a lot of diff like different variety of books, but she almost feels ashamed about reading those type of books. I'm like, at the end of the day, reading is reading. And I actually think the thing that I gain the most out of reading is like looking at, like just expanding my vocabulary, you know, not staring at a screen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's just so much, so many good things that come from reading, regardless of if it's a self-help book or not, you know? Yep. So, okay, cool. Well, um, I love that you're reading. Thanks. Maybe we can sprinkle in some journaling here and there, you know, just try. You just want one. You know, when the emotions are flowing, I I then put pen to paper. Yeah, um, which is great. I I not to go on a, a a tangent of journaling. It's just I I think it's it is the single best. Like I've also been to therapy in the past, and my ability to like regulate myself when I'm journaling consistently is exponentially more than it ever was even when I was in therapy. Um, and it's just like the constant. You know, you were talking about like as an entrepreneur taking the time to go back and reflect on, you know, the business and, and where you've built, like being able to write down what's going on in my brain and like actually be like, oh, wait, that is different than it was before. Or like I've, this is the same fucking thought pattern I've had for yeah. <laughs> years, like stop going down this rabbit hole. Um, so yeah, that was just the moment for uh, for journaling there. We don't, we don't need to stay on that for too long. Um, Kylie. Sam. This has been lovely. This we, We've flown through the time that we have together. Um, one, definitely want to do the mental health. Like, we might need to do a part two and just we go deep on that. Um, because that's of great interest of me and i also have you know my own my own mental health journey within with the i don't just journal for the sake of journaling like yeah. we we got some things going on that we, we've been working through um but to bring part one 
to a close. Is there anything else that you would like to add um, or share with with the audience? And you're, you know, they, they don't speak to retired people all that often, so <laughs> this is a great moment for them. Like I said, we will be coming back out of retirement soon. Okay. Um, I know the crowd is excited. Um, anxiously waiting. <laughs> so anxiously waiting. Um, but yeah, no, I really appreciate coming on here and chatting and talking about life. Like you said, and a thing about Sam and I, I just have to put this out there, is Sam and I would have business meetings all the time. We'd probably sit and have quote unquote business meetings for, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. And we'd probably talk 30 seconds of business. I'd say give us like 92 seconds. 92, like we we 92 would like just average around a minute and a half and yeah. then it would be everything. It was else. very to the point. We'd mm-hmm. get our stuff done and we'd move on. Um but no, I mean, I'll come on here and talk about life and business and retirement any day. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I would love to have you back. Um, Carly. Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right.